Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm Bane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, everybody, we're going to be talking about Taboo, Arata, and some things in between. You ever wondered why the Taboo list is the way that it is? But we're going to be here today to provide some amount of speculation and absolutely no solid answers. Welcome. As, as usual, when, when do we have answers? We should also mention that uh, for anyone who's following along with this, check out our most recent episode where we got to interview MJ and Jeremy um, about a lot of topics, but we kind of, we, we, we talked a lot about um, game balance and the taboo list and stuff. So this is in a way kind of like a supplement to that. And orphans fixing cars. That was a very important part of the uh, podcast. I'd already forgotten about that until now. <laughs> uh so I guess, I mean, the the first thing, pretty much the only uh, part of doing the podcast that Ben genuinely enjoys is the part where he gets to explain a new FAQ rules update. Mm. So we should probably allow him to, uh, to to do that task, right? Yeah, it's true. We delayed it. I, de- I delayed it because there was rumors there would be an immediate follow-on for return to the circle and done a couple things. But that has, of course, also been delayed, at least in the U.S., so... Sadly, we'll just have to jump right into it. Um, I don't know why I labeled this slide boring stuff. Uh, this is clearly the best stuff. So there's there's a there was a couple of functional erratas. Uh, some of it's kind of boring. Uh, bait and switch level three. They made it a tactic. Uh, by made it a tactic, I mean they made it a trick. Um, definitely made that wrong on my slide here. So now it matches up with level zero. The level zero, and I think Rita can take it. So now Rita what can bait and before? switch. It was a tactic so- before. So previously the level... was the level the level zero one was a trick and the level three one was a tactic. No, I I've messed up the slide. I didn't spot check the slide. It's uh, it was the level zero was a trick and the level three was a tactic and now it is now they're both tricks. So that Rita can take. Quick, them. Ben, reload your uh, slide. And by Rita can take them, I of course mean <laughs> she could already take it because it's a red card. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens if I exit the slideshow, Dane. It might uh, break my OBS, yeah, so fair. it's it's too late. I can't refresh it. So, anyway, uh, a couple acts I think were modified. Uh, the the which one is this from? I think this is the last scenario in Circle and Done, or the second last scenario. Uh, the Black Expanse. There's a a couple acts. I think it all says force after enemy he takes a clue gets with one more clues on. It's defeated. You take control of the clues, but it said something else previously. That's Dreamlands. That's the uh, Dreamlands. Oh, the that's, old, that's an old rat. All right, and then yeah. I guess I could have figured that out by looking at the little image of the little cat. Exactly. But and then uh, the last, the last. Uh, uh, oh no! So in the last scenario of Innsmouth, the first act, the objective has changed, so you can choose to advance. But previously, you were forced to advance if you met the condition, which you could te- meet depending on what you did in the campaign, and be forced to immediately advance. It's very sad. That's right. I also have noted here that in Return to the Circle Undone, uh, MJ intends for the wine cellar to be connected to the Victorian halls and vice versa. I don't know what that means because I don't remember what those locations are and they might just be new in the Circle Undone, (laughs) Return to the Circle Undone, but I have noted here. That 
that only makes sense. Like, what good is a wine cellar if you can't get to it from your Victorian halls? It's true. Yeah. Right. When you're stumbling drunk out of your wine cellar, <laughs> you need to make sure that you're in the right place. Precisely, yeah. And then uh, there were a couple cards that they switched play versus put into play on them or added it. Uh, Hungering Blade and Crystallizer of Dreams. The additional cost is to play the card, not to put the card into play, which changes... Um, which changes uh, ways that you can dodge the penalties for putting the weaknesses in. I think it makes it align with the uh, uh, the dog. What's the dog called? The summoned hound. Summoned hound. Yeah. So it makes it align oh, with okay, okay. makes it align with the text on that. Actually, I think I guess it makes it so if you do put this and put both of these into play, you can dodge the weaknesses. So I misspoke. So this makes it so you can do shenanigans to dodge having to put the weaknesses in your deck. So I guess that makes these a little bit more interesting. Uh, interesting. I mean, for hungry and blade, that's bad though because you kind of want the bloodlust. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the whole point. Yeah, no, so yeah. it's bad for hungry blade. For crystallized dreams, it's good though because you don't put the horrible monster in that Dane immediately draws and uh, is cries for us to help him with. So, and then uh, also uh, Yazzy T. I assume everyone knows what I'm referring to when I say that. Uh, Dexter's 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 uh, no- novel weakness. Uh, it also prevents you from putting assets into play in addition to playing assets, so you can't. Use that. Use shenanigans to nudge it. Yeah. Uh, lastly, the most interesting errata is the functional errata. Uh, a couple, I think almost all of these we were expecting. So, Guided by the Unseen, it's a card from uh, Innsmouth. Uh, with the head, it was a fast trigger that when you, during a skill test of your location, you can, the performing master can search the top three cards of their deck for a card that can be committed to the test, and they spend a secret uh, to commit that card, and then you shovel a deck. Um, but the problem with this is you could just do it infinitely until you actually got a card that could be committed. And trigger all your researches, right? Yeah, trigger all your researches and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that was incredibly powerful in the right deck. So they just added a limit once per test to it. Very that simple. One was, that one was just a straight up, like, the minute the card was printed, we knew they yeah. we were going to do it. Like, oh, yeah, or maybe something else. Yeah, they just this. forgot to put it on there. You know, Seeking Answers is another one that we always had kind of vague wording. Um when it came out, it was investigate. If you succeed, uh, discover two total clues from among your location and connecting locations. But that would be how it was worded. That means it would include, or how it was worded. That means you would also get the clue from the default investigate. So you get three clues with this card, um, which I think was not the intent. So now it's uh, is worded. So instead of discovering the clue at your location, you discover two clues. So it gets two clues two instead total of the three. Clues, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. one is this one is like I, I understand that this is what the original intent, and it's fine if they want to fix it this way. But it's a little bit disappointing because the original version was like a good card, but I would say not a broken one. Yeah, and yeah. like it was already arguably like maybe as good as deduction two, but I would say probably worse in most cases. Yeah. So now this version is like I'm probably never gonna play it, but it's fine. I mean, if there's yeah. a, like just, an just a, good consider it. Yeah, if you have like an event based seeker, you might think about it too. Um, I think like there's probably a solid there's a solid argument for playing it in like two player if you're trying to clean off a location that's adjacent to you without actually going there. Yeah, maybe Luke or somebody, but yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it allows some shenanigans for fetching stuff like like yeah, like Dane said with Trish. Um, you can use it to trigger your ability to like evade something or get an extra clue at a, a distant location or whatever. And maybe we'll see something with um, 
Monterey who likes to just run across the map all the time. He can use this to fetch stuff he's run run away from or whatever. Uh, but uh, and then what else we had? We had Norman. Uh, they finally added Norman to have the uh, up to f- five other Mystic cards of level zero Hooray! to match Carolyn and the presumably the edge of the Earth Investigators and all that, just so he works properly with the dual class cards. Or previously, a dual class card would count against his Mystic slots if it was also a, a Seeker card, which was sad. So, and then um, this one, the last one here is with the Wendy's Amulet change. This is like an actual. A rata that I don't think I was expecting. They changed her force effects to be after you play an event or discard an event from play, place it on the bottom of your deck instead of your discard pile. So they added the or discard an event or discard it. So that specifically, I think this was targeting Premonition Windy, which was if you if you uh, you could recur Premonition and use it for every single uh, skill check. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of just like any case where there's an event that does not immediately go into the discard pile after mm-hmm. the end of the action where you play it, but it kind of stays on the field for some reason and then gets discarded later, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I the they released an article with, with all this errata and taboo, and they mentioned Premonition Windy, but they also implied there might be future events that this would have been broken with. So I'm wondering if there will be some Edge of the Earth cards that... Uh, in combo with the old Wendy's card, or also just as broken, perhaps in Survivor, so that you didn't have to uh, put five more additional more cards in your deck just to get Premonition. So I don't, I don't uh, think it's rip, rip Premonition Wendy, uh, yeah. a combo that was interesting, but I think was never actually as good as people thought it was. But I played I it. I can confirm that it was very ridiculous. No, Dan, you're just wrong on this one. I you, yeah. You, <laughs> Being able you to just, know um, what you draw, are going to draw every time means you can always commit perfectly, right? And never or not commit anything. Yeah, and never burn resources incorrectly. You, you can just draw enough cards that you don't have to commit perfectly. Is is you not, not everybody's only play? Yeah, but Wendy game. Wendy doesn't have that power. Actually, is lucky certain uh, case. Uh, Wendy, Wendy can draw a lot of cards. I don't know. I'm mostly glad that they fixed this for us, so we don't have to argue about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm worried it was tearing our. Either way, it's in the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Alright, uh, so that was it for Rata of the cards. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to read all these words. I just didn't have time to filter them down. So there was a couple rules changes. Uh, as I mentioned, they added the Edge of the Earth Investigators to the list of examples uh, for ca- uh, classes that have other in their deck building, uh, which sort of implied that all five of them are going to have that uh, deck building like Norman. Oh shit, it's maybe confirmed completely now? Maybe not, but that's it's how the building's going to be. It's just barely not confirmed. <laughs> like, it's definitely hinting at it pretty heavily, but I think it's still not conclusive. Oh, no, Dean, like, I just realized... Burns, yeah. Dean, I just realized this is really embarrassing. We're wearing the same shirt. Oh, no. Yeah. Since when, when did you start wearing the MUR shirt when we record? Losers. Be loser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you guys, go, see, when you guys go, go to a show, do you, like, wear a t-shirt of the band that you're going to see? When when you guys when you guys uh, play shows in a band, do you wear the T-shirt of your own band to play the shows? Because really. <laughs> that's that's kind of what you're doing right now. For Listen. for listeners for listeners listening to the podcast, Ben and Dan are both nerding out wearing our MUR T-shirt. This is true. So uh, bad. I don't have our MUR T-shirt that maybe one day we'll put on Redbubble. Maybe bad bad, <laughs> job, bad job, you guys. I'm I'm wearing a shirt of a radio show, which is kind of like an old school podcast for, for those of our listeners who don't remember that. <laughs> anyway anyway um 
realized I lost the chat. Uh, all right. Anyway, so uh, other functional fun functional changes is uh, you uh, being they, at they no location. Like, yeah, they kind of just cleaned up some stuff that was yeah. more or less clear, but like wasn't completely set in stone before. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you can never be at you can never be at no location, um, and stuff that hidden cards in your hand. If they're in your hand and you're eliminated, they go back in the discard pile. I thought that was already an actual rule. Yeah, whatever. Uh, now it is. And there's an example here for interpreting when you when taking or being dealt damage. I think this is also just how it works. So these are just clarifications. You know, when you take damage, you take it yourself and then you get assigned to stuff so this says you can also includes triggering an effect when it's stuff gets put on your assets uh, i guess this one directly deals damage to your ally then maybe this triggers or something example eh, not that exciting these are boring rules changes uh important faq though uh if anyone doubted this is a zoe's ability does in fact trigger off of swarm enemies it's very important uh oh, so yeah. she, can be, she can be very rich in dreamlands some people basically already knew that right I mean, that's just, how I interpreted it. it. This one's an FAQ, so this someone asked, and they just clarified it to make it a official there for anyone that doubted Zoe's ability to make lots of money from Zooks by killing them. Um, or actually, just uh, just just hanging out with them, I guess. You know. Yeah. <laughs> just zooking out. Yeah. Like we, like we all do. Yeah, and then this last one is you can look at face-down cards that are beneath or attached to cards you control. Uh, including when you draw them or play them. You can't look at cards that have been attached to counter cards or otherwise placed face down via, via scenario effect um, unless otherwise destructed. So I think this was also pretty well known, um, but it's always good to have a clarification in the official rules rather than like in an email that one person asked and it's been spread around sort of kind of on Arkham Duty or whatever. So, <laughs> all right, taboo time. So everyone's here for, I'm Yay. sure. Um, at least the people that aren't cool enough to love the nitty-gritty details of FAQ. Uh, it's an errata. So uh, we had eight cards, I believe, updated in this latest taboo. And this taboo was end of June, I want to say. Um, so Elusive was changed. Uh, it used to be on the chained list with, uh, was it one or three? Two, I believe. Two? That was close. Uh, so, uh, now it's mutated. Uh, now it is disengaged from each enemy engaged with you and moved to a connecting location with no enemies instead of to a revealed Anywhere. location with no enemies. Anywhere with no enemies, yeah. And so uh, it's actually it's kind of similar to shortcut now, except it costs money and is a little more restrictive, but also disengages you. Yeah, was it always fast? It was right. Yeah, it was always fast. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just kind of like a little bit more expensive shortcut and you can't play it on other people. I mean, it still so. makes sense thematically, right? Yeah, I mean, it still functions as like, oh, you, you slip away from the enemies. It's just, it's it's probably more in line for level zero card. Uh, like previously before they touched it, it was like a auto-include in almost At every deck that could take it. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it was an easy like jump across the map when you needed to retreat or just get somewhere fast card, so... It's pretty reasonable now. I, I don't know if I might throw one of it in some deck still, particularly maybe like a Monterey or something who wants to be able to move around. Um, it's nice to have extra move cards for him. So that's, that's, not, that's not terrible. And it's a tactic, so I guess Mark can take it again now. I guess he could always take it, it, but he could always um, take it. 
And there is a trench coat in it, so that, but it's not Mark. Could that be Mark as a very old man? No. You don't think Mark I upgrades like to wearing like a... Or something. Yeah. He's got a bow tie. Do any of the investigators have a bow tie in their official art? Norman, oh. maybe. Uh, uh, does Dex- Dexter's in like a tux, right? Yeah, he's got a yeah, tux. I don't know. If not, that's a... That Shards of the Void card? Hmm. Where he looks like super random? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. So, he's got a bow tie. We're good. All right. I thought we'd have to write an angry letter to MJ about the lack of bow ties. So, anyway, uh, other two cards that were changed uh, were the uh, Springfield and the Telescopic Sight. Uh, they're constantly <laughs> trying to make these cards, uh, buff these cards with the taboo lists to make them playable. Um, so now what they do is the Springfield is back to being a level four card. Um, Wait, what? It, yeah, it was previously chained to be level three and that, that was what it was, right? It's hard to keep track of it. I know I did. Yeah. So now it's ability is, uh, or it gains an ability, uh, no, is that right the first time? It's ability gains uh, that you can disengage, or that you can attack, the attack command target any non-elite enemy up to one location away from its standard range, ignoring the aloof and retaliate keywords. What was it before? Oh, it just couldn't you be could used to attacking aged enemies. Right. So they built so in the telescope of sight to it, basically. Yeah, this is like a, this is, you can shoot enemies off of you, you can shoot enemies off of friends. Mm-hmm. you can shoot it, enemies in adjacent locations it, ma- it, it makes sense that any if any weapon card that's themed around like shooting someone from far away it makes sense that you would get to ignore or retaliate because like how is it going to retaliate against you unless yeah. it also has a gun or something well it's right. nice to ignore aloof now too because you can use it to kill whatever annoying enemies uh yeah birds yeah birds I mean, it's still it's still a four cost really? two hand but- three ammo card which is rough but I'm still not sure that I would play this, but it's worth mentioning that for Echoes of the Past, the Springfield is now absolutely boss for taking out those annoying seekers at the beginning. Because mm. they have three they have three health and they're aloof and it's really hard to get to them. With the Springfield, you could basically just like take a take a step, play the Springfield, and then like just dome one in the head and kill it. And that would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a few scenarios I can think of where like the map is really big, things only spawn on empty locations, etc. Like there's there's some application, I think. Yeah, it feels like it's a tech card, so it's I feel like it's still hard to like get it in your deck for a whole campaign. Just, maybe some maybe someday there'll be some like guardian card that like lets you like free swap out weapons of the same level or something in between scenarios or something. You know, like a, an armory or something you go <laughs> go to in between. I don't know. Like sealed vault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the last last one here is the telescopic sight. Uh, they change this one to uh, no longer have the text attached asset cannot be used to attack enemies engaged with you. That seems like a huge improvement because uh, now because <laughs> now it doesn't just automatically nerf whatever weapon you attach to it. Okay. Um, so this so this just springfieldifies things, right? Like yeah. Basically. It remains very funny that you can attach this to a flamethrower. I... Yeah, <laughs> yep, that is extremely funny. Well, it doesn't it doesn't disable it doesn't disable a flamethrower anymore though. Previously, it made it so yeah. you couldn't use the flamethrower at all. Right. Um, 
Now it just doesn't do anything, right? Because the, the flamethrower damage is stuff engaged with you. Because the flamethrower has the stipulation where it needs to be engaged with you. And this yeah. said that you can't use it to engage with you. Yeah. Right. So, like, I mean, yeah, this is more interesting. I feel like I would get exactly. this before the Springfield, right? Because it just gives the Springfield ability. Yeah. It does. I mean, it, it makes it, it's almost doubly as expensive, right? It's like. If if you're all if you're already playing like a thompson or something sure yeah maybe, you, maybe yeah. like for tommy where he has like becky and he can also ha use like uh like bigger guns just in general and focus on that like attachments and upgrades might be yeah. cool to use anyone it. that tries to do like a single weapon focus deck where they refill refuel it uh like tommy then they might consider this to make it so they don't have to move <laughs> around as much and they can just like stand in the middle of the map and like spin around and shoot whatever can you enemies put this around on a shotgun and then, uh, and then somehow, like you just shotgun things from a location away. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Shotgun, shotgun doesn't have any limitations. So you have to be engaged with it. That's just the flamethrower shotgun, which is really funny. Actually, no, is the sawed-off shotgun one-handed? Yeah, I think uh, it is. That's uh, too bad. That would be funny. All right, and the last batch of taboo cards um, was basically all the same: three aces, a watchful piece, Yuka catastrophe. And hollow, all were added, had removed from game, added to them after their effect goes off. Impendent of the Queen, once it runs out of charges, also has removed game from game added to it. So this basically prevents you from recurring these cards infinitely. Um, it's a pretty which... huge bummer because the three aces, Pendant of the Queen, Rogue, Mandy deck that just cycled the cards all the time was incredibly fun to play. And assembling the Pendant was kind of the most fun part of it. Um, because you could you could basically use the pendant pretty much every turn, uh, which was obviously great. But yeah, it it kind of had to die. I I I'm at peace with it. Yeah, I don't know about well, the three it, it's aces. Not that it's necessarily dead. I think that the the argument for you doing that is because it comes in with charges in it. You can use things like Elder Sophist and like other ways uh, to like continually kind of try to put charges on it, which so is the, I think the, fair. The problem is that there's a lot of ways to put secrets on things in Seeker. But it's really it's really hard to put more charges on things as a seeker. Like if you can somehow play, um, if you're playing like, you mean Luke? If you're, play, if, Luke if, if you're playing like Luke with well, <laughs> if, if you're playing Luke and you have like recharge, then you could maybe yeah. make it happen. But you'd really need oh, yeah. that because there's within just within like you know Mandy's card pool, you really can't do much about putting extra charges on it. Um, and fair. it's not. Yeah. It's not really worth even putting in your deck, I think, and spending the XP if it's just going to disappear after you use it three times. Although it does exactly. shrink your deck down even more. So if you want to play a 27-card Mandy deck, you can kind of... <laughs> oh, no, actually, hang on. It's only the pennant that gets removed. The, yeah. The, the segments, segments would still go back in your deck, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, that's kind of... Uh, I think they don't go back in your deck anymore, right? Uh, is that part of the change here? Maybe not. I mean, I guess you could always you could also just hold them in hand and use yeah. them to trigger, like, uh, yeah. you know... Previously, you you have put them back in your deck, but now it's if when you should say if this card has no charges, you take it out and put them back in. Now it just gets removed from the game, so they don't get out of yeah. back. Three three aces. I honestly, I'm not really sure it really had to get mutated because it all it did was give you money and cards, and it was just kind of a fun game to play. Like it's I don't, I don't think it's as big a deal, um, but sure, fine, whatever. And then um, hell and watchful peace, I think, were inevitable just because. Exactly. You shouldn't you shouldn't be able to get effects like that on on demand. Basically, you should really only right. be able to get them very Once. early. I mean, even like, I mean, you... compare them to uh, to what's uh, the survivor card that exiles itself, right? There's more than one of those, Dane. I There's flare. I well, well, the one that removes <laughs> the fortune or, or fate. Or, yes, fortune yeah. or fate. Foth. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
compare these yeah. to that. Yeah. Why would you ever play Foff if you could play Shirt and just like include a couple bless cards in your deck? It's basically true. Um, yeah. Yu Catastrophe is a little bit of a bummer because I feel like that was a pretty good ingredient for William York being a kind that of like weird. Yeah. immediate, kind of a lower tier, high tier investigator kind of. Um, and it seemed pretty, I never got to play that deck, but it seemed pretty fun. I mean, you could also recur this a lot if you have Drawing Thin and like Resourceful, that's like all you need. Yeah, to yeah. pick it back up, but yeah, York also got free pickups back. Those other, those other investigators, there's probably more and more investigators that we'll see that can have some effect that going something out of the graveyard. So I think yeah. it's I think this is reasonable. It probably I don't know if I'll play it anymore uh, if I only can use it once or twice, but yeah, it's that's it's, it's kind of it's kind of fun. It, yeah, I guess like... I I think they wanted it to be like an emergency card, and it became like a build around almost a build-around card for some investigators where they just focus on, like, being able to play it constantly, so... Yeah. It kind of feels bad to, like, sink 4 XP into a, a an event that you only get to play once, but also it's hard to justify it being, like, exploitable. Even even in the way that York kind of, could kind of cycle catastrophes, you know, like, where he could basically just keep playing them as long as he had the money to do so. Yeah. Um, but... Things like three aces, I really feel like we're victim to things other than rogues exploiting them. For example, that Mandy deck. Like, I think that rogues just don't have that sheer power level, like that sheer amount of draw, that you can find the three aces very easily and consistently play them. I know that there's that one skill card uh, that allows you to, like, basically reveal cards from the top of your library to find another rogue skill card. So if you include only these, only three aces and like two of those, then you will always get three aces as long as you have any mm. combination of some amount of them in your hand. But like, I feel like that's still going through a lot of motions in order to get like three aces to work compared to like something, some like garbage like Mandy that can just like get it every every like third turn. Yeah, the, the bottom line is even in like the best case scenario for this in a rogue deck, which is probably like Winnie, it was still good, not really broken. Right. And in the Mandy deck, it was excellent, but there's also, it's not an essential part of the deck. Like the deck, now that this has been tabooed, is still great, right? You can still play like, um, you can still play like Easy Mark and plenty of other stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it basically seems fine. There's nothing on here that really seems particularly upsetting or, you know, it, I, I think it, it it is good that they're. Hopefully this is a signal that things like Hallow and Watchful Peace are going forward, like pretty much always going to remove from game. I agree, yeah. Yeah, I think when we talked to MJ and Jeremy, I got the sense that they don't really want to put remove from game on most stuff if they can. You know, uh, So I think that's why they maybe push to not have enough cards initially, but some stuff just kind of... Which is nice, because it, so. it makes any type of recursion card worse if all the good cards can't be recurred. Right. Um, like, I mean, I I think resourceful is already not a great card, but if you can't use it to get back things like watchful peace, then why even play it, right? Yeah. But uh, cool. you know, it, it's all a balancing act, I guess. Yeah. All right. So that was everything that was in the published article. Uh, we had a couple topics we were going to discuss uh, related to taboo. Uh, so up first is what I kind of wanted to think of what we talk about seekers being great a lot. So are they really are they really OP or is it just is it just some type of 
um, yellow bias uh, that we have. So, I mean, I, I think if you go back to the beginning of the game, initially it felt like in a three or four player game, you basically needed a seeker in order to keep pace with clues. Yes. And then after the first maybe like cycle or two of the game, that basically changed where you didn't really need one anymore. But then I feel like over the last year or two, the seeker card pool has kind of got hit this critical mass where it's become kind of insane. And I mean, I, I think it's it's just a, it, we, we asked MJ and Jeremy about this. And uh, I think, you know, MJ said, like, on the one hand, um, seekers are always going to be really good because getting clues is how you win the game. Right? right and seekers are the ones that are best getting clues and that's that's totally true and especially in multiplayer games where there are a lot of clues and being able to pick them up efficiently is really important um that's kind of inevitable but i think that there's more going on than just that i think that there are a lot of there's kind of like a whole system of problematic cards i think in in the seeker card pool yeah exactly uh, that said, I absolutely love playing those decks, and I'm happy to play a seeker pretty much all the time. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, it's it's worth discussing, but I'm also not exactly like picketing outside the FFG HQ for them to <laughs> for them to ban all these cards, right? Because in the meantime, I'm having fun. Sure, sure. I, I mean, I think like one of these cards that we put up, Meltaroni, aka uh, City Kicker, is like we used to take that on every deck, right? Like around yeah. Dunwich and Carcosa, that used to be like a mandatory eight experience and we never thought that there would be a time where that wouldn't be included in the deck turns out there is because I mean, other classes can handle them handle themselves and you better now and you have better things to get for example pathfinder joined the the taboo list and is now three experience to get so it's like by by chaining these cards it makes it harder for seekers to just to be get, be able to cover every single base it used to be the the situation where if you have 10 experience, you can get two Melteronis and two Pathfinders. And yeah. like, give me two cards in another class that you can do that with that are like worth that and will give you the amount of absolutely ridiculous value and versatility that that these two cards gave you. <laughs> like, yeah, Dane, I, I think you're right. Like, we, we kind of don't play Melteroni quite as much anymore, not because it's a worse card, but only because if you, if you have like a fighter in your group, usually they can you can afford to focus just on clues and you can go even more crazy just picking up a million clues using something like Archaic Glyphs Guiding Stones, which is another incredibly powerful card. Um, but even apart from just cards that make Seekers really, really good at getting clues like Guiding Stones or just recurring Deduction 2 a lot, um, there's also just... Seekers have a really crazy amount of fast cards they can play. So they have Shortcut and Pathfinder, which are really powerful, so they almost never need to spend actions to move. They have um, cards like Knowledge is Power that let them activate Tomes, which can be abused in a million ways and is really, really strong. Even though that's <laughs> even though that's now taboo, it's it now costs two XP. It's still really, really powerful. Yes. Um, they even just have things like um, they have a lot of skill cards like Deduction that draw them cards without having to spend an action. They have uh, Cryptic Research and the No Stone Unturned yeah. that can tutor or draw cards at, at instant speed. So they just have. Like when you're playing a seeker, a lot of times it feels like you only have three actions, but it feels like you get to do like eight or nine things on your turn. Like it feels, it, it feels like you're doing more with your turn than if you're a rogue that has like six actions because of Leo and a bunch of other cards. Exactly. Yeah, I think that a lot of the time, uh, maybe the philosophy in the beginning was that seekers should be this like glass cannon where uh, the cannon is pointed at the ground, and the ground being like where the clues are, right? Like. Right. You want to destroy the amount of clues on every single location, but if an enemy gets on you, you're just done for, which is absolutely not the case ever. Yeah. <laughs> because they have 
so many options and also that's the whole point of having a guardian or something right. you can do. And, but, but you're you're right that like I mean we could easily play you could easily play a four player game with all seekers and it would be probably incredibly powerful and probably better than a balanced group, right? It's right. just because um because really the bottom line is just um this is the class that kind of has card draw in their color pie as much as any class does. And it's the same as like, if you go back and look at like the early days of magic where all these old blue cards are incredible and they're now like staples and all the nerdy eternal formats, just being able to draw lots of cards can paper over pretty much any weakness that your class or your deck <laughs> exactly. has. Because, especially in this game where you can commit things pretty much any problem you can solve by just drawing a million cards and you always have stuff to commit. It's, it's about consistency, right? Yeah. It, it just makes everything so much more consistent. I, I would also say just one last thing that there there's like three what I think of as kind of like the really top tier seekers are like Mandy, Amanda, and Daisy. And there's there's others that are pretty good as well, but those are like to me the the, the top ones yeah. that just have very powerful abilities and good stats. And like other classes also have maybe has like a good ability and good stats for what they want to do, but seekers just have like an abundance of them. Um which, you know, I, I think if they would, you know, maybe, maybe if we saw stronger investigators from some of the other classes, maybe we wouldn't be calling this out as much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's our perspective. I mean, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot to it, but, you know. Um, it's really tough, I think, because how do you modify this, the card pool without having folks, um, having it, like, change the way that you play seeker for example like what if what if they just eliminated pathfinder it just it just uh joined uh double or nothing on forbidden honestly i would be sad about it but it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world yeah it, it's like things like that are, are like yeah it sucks but like it's make kind it, of like probably make it like mistake. exceptional level make it like cost four xp and be exceptional or something like it wouldn't again it wouldn't one be, deck. yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world but yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh again, it it doesn't really seem to be a problem, but uh you know, I I think it is sometimes worth calling out and we'll I think we'll talk later in some of the other topics about um how issues like this can or cannot kind of affect the game. So we'll we'll kind of come back to it. Ben's so, back. I am back. I was fixing my audio. Might have misclicked. You might have cut out for a second for some reason. It wasn't my fault. Anyway, uh, so aside from Seekers, <laughs> what do we think about the other four classes? How well are they balanced against each other in Seekers? <laughs> I mean, so I think that since since Dan and I had started playing the game, maybe even before I, I, I met you, Ben, Guardians and Seekers were just the thing, right? Like, if if you didn't have a Guardian, you were going to have a really hard time dealing with with the potential amount of monsters and things that could come out for the deck when you're out playing at like three or four people. And that's why Machete was so big. And also mm -hmm. why the downside was so uh, severe, but also uh, as long as you were able to use things like Vicious Blow, and et, et cetera, uh, you could manage that. So for me, like Guardians sit kind of right near Seekers in that like, if you don't have a Guardian in your deck, it's going to be tough for you to, to to deal with things. Maybe not so much so now because you have people like Tony and Yorick and uh, Silas who can deal with things in different ways than Guardians can. But the general shtick of Guardians is to murder, and that's it. Um, and and in that way, maybe maybe it feels a little one dimensional. But but I I personally love playing Guardians. Um, I think that they're very very strong. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's less of a thing than what we were just talking about with Seekers, only because with when you're playing a Seeker or just a clue getter in general, the more optimized your deck is, the the better it is, and there's like no ceiling to it because you can just win the game faster. With a Guardian, if you're if your Guardian and you're kind of the fighting contingent of your party is strong enough to keep the enemies under control, there's not really a whole lot to be gained by being even more efficient on top of that. So you hit a point of diminishing returns. Exactly. Um, aside from like killing bosses and stuff, which is definitely a thing, but that's way less. That doesn't happen that often. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree. Guardians are the best at fighting stuff still. But there's, you know, you can make. There's plenty of decks you can make outside of Guardian that are like good enough that they can adequately handle what you need to do. Um, but but I think that you know hybrid. I mean, hybrid decks are really good, even in like a three or four player game. It is really good to have, you know, maybe at least one person in your group who's kind of flexible and can do enemy management and clues. And I think there are strong viable decks from each of the really all five classes that can do kind of hybrid stuff um and there, there's advantages either way too like mystics you get to ward stuff which is really strong that's like a nice bonus in addition to being able to you know get clues and fight things um rogues you get to play a lot of cards that involve gambling and everyone likes that it's fun <laughs> uh so yeah you, you know there's uh, the, at least there's like different play styles that are all kind of good and, and can contribute meaningfully to the group so i i, I kind of think that it's different from maybe the early days of the game where it felt like if you were playing like jenny you just like couldn't do anything like there was basically nothing you could really do to make aside from yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 this is I mean, I... We're, we're basically all, all talking about multiplayer stuff here because in solo you know guardians and and in solo like survivors and rogues are great right right exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean i, I think i think as the hard pool expanded it opened up ways for survivor and uh, rogue and mystic to function more in a large group and still be able to do their their wacky class stuff like whatever nonsense rogues do where they gamble and survivors doing weird recursion stuff yeah all their hijinks um but to be able to compete uh in terms of efficiency uh with guardians and seekers or at least getting close um while still being you know goofy and fun so i think that's definitely a big improvement there I think the really important thing to note about what I was saying about Guardians earlier was that uh, the diminishing returns, returns thing is absolutely true. Um, Seekers are OP because they're, they're, they are proactive and they will always be able to find clues if there are clues on the board. Whereas if if you play something like like comparing like something like Pathfinder to Safeguard, Pathfinder saves you actions to move, but you're going to be just pressing one button basically the whole game. And for some people, that, that doesn't feel great, but for some, it's fine. And Guardian's kind of similar thing. You're just going to be pressing one button, which is murder. But once you're done with monsters, what, like the rest of what you can do is like set up and heal yourself, maybe give some people some cash at some point, some cards maybe with things like stand together. But like really, you're, you're, once there's no monsters on the board, you're like useless and i say that quote unquote because there's nothing for you to do you've you've done your job and you're now you're just on standby whereas seekers always can push forward and i think to talk to your point a little bit dan about like how that's why hybrid classes are really good because they can do both because they can uh you know shrivel an enemy and then use their clairvoyance to pick up some clues on the way and in that way it actually makes them very efficient at doing these things people uh uh classes like mystic and rogue can do this particularly well um yeah yeah 
Yeah, real. I've realized why Dan likes the Seeker and the Guardian base change that explanation there. Dan always played a mage in World of Warcraft. And what a mage did is they pressed all of their buttons and then they did evocation for eight seconds to get all the mana back. And then they pressed all their buttons again to do a bunch of damage. <laughs> I, would, I would like to add two addenda to that. First off, I played Arcane when Arcane was the strongest mage spec, but I, I vastly preferred fire. And whenever, whenever possible, I would always play a fire mage, which was more interesting and way more fun. And secondly... I, I had I mean I, I had other characters too and I rocked like alt runs with like a death knight or a priest or anything but yeah the mage was the mage was like the the mage for sure. <laughs> ben Ben played a mage too but then he abandoned the glorious mage fraternity to we, go play. We had game, five no mages. One, no one really it was too why. it was too many mages. I wanted to be a boomkin. We didn't have we needed that thirteen percent raid buff or whatever it was you know. I think that, that this was this was before I started playing the game with Ben. But I my understanding was that when something like Ben was like, oh, I guess someone has to be a Moonkin. I guess it's got to be me. Here I go. Everyone's like, wait, what? And ben, and ben was like, all right, if you guys insist. And everyone was like, wait, what are you talking about? And then Ben had already like started rolling a druid. So I don't know. this isn't this isn't interesting to anybody. Let's move on. Speaking of card games, well, uh, our cooperative games like MMOs. Uh, this is also one. Yeah. Uh, do we really because it's it's a cooperative game uh should we really care about these power level of these player cards investigators against one another or is it all just a fun time are we are we just i mean I, on I everybody's think, parade i think That's the answer phrase. is like no and kind of yes or yes and kind of no yeah. I, I mean i like I, that answer I, I I guess the way I would explain it is this is like we, we talked with MJ and Jeremy in the last episode about how, you know, different people play this game for different reasons. And and even within the cast, like I mean, you know, we all kind of enjoy the game for some of the same reasons, but kind of weighted to different extents. And for me in particular, I really like playing the game from kind of like an optimization mechanical point of view of like trying to build a deck that works really well. So I mean I think you guys are like that too. Just it's maybe like a slightly different emphasis depending on which one of us we're talking about. But so for me, like, I don't ever really want to, if I'm ever in a position where, like, there are cards that are really, really strong and really fit well into, like, a good deck, but if you include them, it just makes the game too easy and it kind of trivializes everything, that's a bummer for me. Because it means I basically have to, like, either forget that these cards exist, but, like, still kind of know that they're there. A lot worse, right? Yeah, or I have to just, like, play them and then know that I'm... Not only am I maybe making the game not as much fun for me, but I'm even potentially like making it less fun for everyone else in the group. And I definitely don't want to do that. So like for me, it is really important to like the kind of viability and fun level of of a card game, even a co-op card game, if there's like meaningful choices to make when you're making a deck and there's not just like an ob- obvious choices that are way better than everything else, or if there's like individual decks that just kind of crush the entire game, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, to talk to that point, we we mentioned that to MJ about like how Seeker cards still are in a position where they're really good, and there are some other cards in classes that just see play in every single like amalgamation of any deck ever. For example, a card like Lucky Cigarette Case for me, sure it feels good to play, but it doesn't feel good in deck building because you just have that slot built out you basically you have to make 28 cards around around lucky cigarette cases and like for me it's just such a binary effect that it's really boring and i would rather include fun things like like crystallizer or or use other like more interesting ways of 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 uh getting that value i I was about to say dane the reason you picked of all the different cards you could have picked the reason you said cigarette case is because it competes with your favorite pet card which is crystallizer of dreams and it (laughs) crushes it that's that's one of them yeah absolutely 
And like, it's, it's just cards like that, that when, when it gets to a point where I'm just like, I don't want to put this in my deck and people are correct in saying, no, Dane, you don't have to. And the taboo list is very, very optional. And you can make whatever taboo list you want, really, right? You can you can completely engineer your own your own taboo list at home. Have a kitchen table taboo list that you just have with a play group. Um, but it's maybe maybe it just feels feels like I I still have to because the taboo list hasn't said so. Because I do I do really appreciate the insight that is given when developers themselves speak about cards that they've created and either pull back or give a little more on on cards. And it feels like they breathe new life into different strategies and things like that. I think for for me, like, so the cigarette case example, I'm totally fine having a couple of cards that are really strong. If it's, it's always a trade-off, right? Because on the one hand, it's a very fun card that's very tied into that class's theme. And it kind of, because most rogues play it, it's like, it makes you feel like you're playing a rogue deck when you play it. I think you can have some cards like that, and yeah, the cost is that maybe other cards get out-competed by those, but there are benefits as well. Like, it's like a Netrunner with, like, Desperado. Yes, basically no one ever played any other criminal console, but it was an incredibly fun card that really fit with the criminal theme, and it was, to me, that was, like, a worthwhile trade-off, right? At least for a while. Yeah, but... but, but compare, like, compare it with Machete that got tabooed out because it was basically pushing all the other weapons out. Right. Uh, yeah. How I, how do you see cigarette cases different, or do you? I mean, so, I, the, I think the difference is cigarette case is more fun than machete, and picking a weapon is supposed to be a more interesting choice than picking like an accessory to me. Yeah, exactly. And I think that as far as lucky cigarette case goes, it's it's like just card draw is very powerful, and yeah. maybe for me, anyways, I don't feel like it's it's hitting a thematic like point uh, to where like whoever would be carrying around a cigarette case that is lucky this is what it does <laughs> and like whereas machete it, it makes sense in some ways um yeah but but yeah i mean uh, to me it's mostly like i don't ever want to feel like my my choices are either to voluntarily give up what i normally like to do which is try to make a deck that runs as well as possible or make a deck that runs as well as possible and just like blast through everything and teleport around the map with a pennant of the queen picking up a million clues every turn drawing a thousand cards and never fearing any encounter cards at all you know um and i I should say i don't think we're totally at that point like there's definitely i think that the current string of like really really good seeker decks is arguably like kind of verging on it but it's they're at least kind of pruning it a little bit by tabooing cards like pendant so it's it's something that I hope they'll keep an eye on and that I, I like would love to see them kind of acknowledge, but it's not like the current state of the game is like, oh, I, I hate this. I'm not having fun anymore. Yeah. I mean, even in our conversation with MJ, uh, she was talking about like them having a watch list, right? That has a lot more cards than are, are, are already on the, the taboo list, um, but that they might not know what they exactly want to do with them, or they're trying to figure out if other cards could come off so that they could put some on because they also want to be cognizant of the amount of cards that are on there. So there are a lot of considerations that are being made, and I'm and I'm entirely happy to to observe the, the taboo list as is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, one thing about the taboo list that we we briefly talked to asked MJ about was putting investigators on it. 
And I'm going to be honest, when I asked MJ, I completely forgot that Rex was an investigator on the taboo lists. Because in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, that that's just how Rex works. And I haven't yeah, played Rex in like four years. <laughs> so, yeah. but like, what, do we think there's other investigators that should go on the taboo list, either as to buff them or to nerf them? Uh, Mandy, absolutely. <laughs> Amanda, probably somehow. And uh, Daisy's fine. That's it. Well, they keep buffing Daisy <laughs> by giving her new, more overpowered it's, books, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because, honestly, I really think that right now those three are pretty much equally strong. Like, it's weird to me that you want to taboo one of them and maybe not the others. Well, I think that Daisy's Daisy's whole shtick is that, like, uh, she it, has a theme of, of like, books and, and of... Um, she has access to two pretty good card pools, right? Like, like see, both Seeker and Mystic have very good uh very good cards that are accessible to her for example like a seeker being able to take ward two is like what but also mandy's whole thing is that she just gets to draw more cards when she would draw cards it, it's it's and and draw like the cards that she wants when she finds more cards I... and with mandy it's not even just that she is she has a 30 card deck size has the most ridiculous stats of any like dream stats basically for a, Daisy, a, a Daisy seeker. stats are just as good and and amanda arguably has like a something better than good stats which is her ridiculous ability yeah yeah uh, but that's why amanda should also be nerfed <laughs> and and mandy can change off from three classes like you get the choice to do any one of three and the possibilities for her continuing to be like basically on top all the time just gets bigger as as all like like she gets three dimensions of being better in that she can if if mystic shenanigans start start being up on the uprise she'll be a part of it if more rogue stuff gets start to be up on the uprise she's going to be a part of it and it feels to me like she's got her hands in everything and there's not really a discernible downside I, I don't know. I mean, I would be fine with it if they wanted the taboo Mandy because I would just probably play Daisy more. But uh, but but I, I but I have to say though, compared to what Mandy was like a year ago, so first Mr. Rook now costs eight XP. Secondly, the pendant is now basically not a card you're going to play. Same with three aces. And thirdly, Mandy's weakness is incredibly annoying, and it really does. It really is like a bump in the road to what you're trying to do with her. So between those three things, like yeah, she is very strong, but. I don't think that she's like I said. I think Daisy is basically just as good, and arguably even better. You know, um, and also relative to like, yes, she is really good, but relative to like a kind of replacement level seeker like Ursula or something like, yeah, she's better. But even like Ursula is like incredible, right? So it's, I don't know. Bottom line, I would be fine if they wanted to taboo Mandy as long as they could do it in a reasonably fair and interesting way. Um, I would be more interested to see them try to taboo some bad investigators like uh, like Rita or Lola that we have on the slide here. Um, anything that would anything that would like make them more fun. Like if they just wanted to taboo that Rita gets to play like a bigger card pool or something, that would be pretty great. I would be totally down for that. Or if they wanted yeah. to like make a parallel Rita that has a good signature card, maybe. Um, <laughs> any anything that I mean, Lola. I'm not really. It, it, Lola is a whole separate universe, but if they wanted to make like some of these lesser played investigators, even just like give them bonus XP or something, I'm totally down for any of that. I mean, for yeah, me to... made interesting iterations of Lola, and they seem pretty cool, fun to play. Yeah, I mean, for Rita, I feel like 
their plan probably is the same thing that they do with Mateo, which is just put a trick on every card in <laughs> in Edge of the Earth <laughs> or Calvin. something. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to print a lot of tricks to make, <laughs> to make really good. And she only gets uh, zero to three, right? Uh, yes. She doesn't um, even get, like, I don't know what a level five trick would look like. but uh, I mean, that's the same for Mateo, I think. Isn't he also zero to three blessed or whatever? But Well, sure, yeah. Yeah, but he's also so, uh, mystic and not a survivor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, like I like Rita's theme, and she has five agility. I, it's just it's so hard for survivor to make use of that agility right now, which I think is what the trick cards are supposed to do. But she didn't have yeah. access to too many of them. She, least... she honestly should she she should have like tricks and like up to level four rogue cards or something, and she would still be like <laughs> decent. You know, I, mean, um, I mean, if level four up to level four road cards would just make her a better Wendy, would it? Uh, no, Wendy's ability is really good, and Rita's yeah. ability is, eh, yeah, is <laughs> pretty negligible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, Wendy's got the three book and the the four the four will. That's pretty good too. Yeah. Um, I I will say Rita, one of my one of my very favorite investigators from Mansions of Madness second. So, you know, props, <laughs> okay, props to Rita for that because it gave you an extra movement ability, so you could. Uh, interact with things better or whatever one of of the (laughs) only investigators that i would allow me to tolerate playing that game so rip mentions of madness i'm pretty sure they confirmed they're making any more expansions for that so yeah it was it was fun it was cool i mean the the card game came out and it's card game is just some is it somehow cheaper than mentions of madness that can't be right but it it feels uh, cheaper (laughs) the miniatures miniatures cost a lot to make yeah but there's there's not as many I will just. I will never. Did, did, weren't there scenarios in mansions that were like, oh yeah, uh, estimated time eight hours or something like that? Was, <laughs> there were like, there were some longer like, ones, yeah. You just see that yeah. printed on the piece of paper, and you're like, am I high right now? But there was definitely a couple of definitely a couple of very cool things in mansions. This is but... Twilight Imperium. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think our bottom line is, yeah, honestly, if they wanted the taboo investigators either up or down, I think we'd be we'd be excited for that, right? It, probably the risk is the same with all this stuff is they don't want to taboo like every card in the game because then it's just hard to keep track of, so they have to kind of be careful. But yeah, yeah, I they they've said they only want to do taboo like after each campaign, right, or like twice a year because they don't want to have to monitor it constantly. Obviously, they got. Uh, develop new stuff all the time so i think that's why they're super cautious about it right because they don't want to like introduce a change that they then have to like feel like they really need to revert quickly in like a month or whatever or leave it in a bad state so yeah that's true you know if they had more if they had more time somehow then that would be good because then they could be more experimental with a larger group of play testers aka the the player base actually cares about taboo which might be a small part of the (laughs) small piece of the player base i don't know but um so we talked about earlier that like some of the cards especially a lot some of the ones that got like are removed from game feel like they were just tabooed to stop the weird crazy niche combos um do we think that there's a different way they could handle some of these cards to make it so they're still like kind of playable <laughs> um and, an and or does it hurt their you know the majority of people that can take them it's not just like premonition windy or whatever yeah. Dane, you, do you yeah. have an idea, Dane, you wish to discuss? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is one thing that I think just when Mandy came out, she broke pretty much everything that she could possible because of the way that her deck building works. And I'm going to blame Mandy for that just because why not? And uh, 
I think that a really good way to debut things, at least that I was thinking, might be to include cards, or rather include a new uh, keyword similar to chained and mutated uh, color bound or whatever you want to call it, where only investigators who are either A, uh, have level zero to five accessibility of this specific class or whose investigator card literally is that color. And I don't know if that's a thing or not in the game, but um, whichever one of those would make more sense can include this card in their deck as, as part of deck building. Um, Sleight of hand is like, for me anyways, the number one uh, saddest card that has like just been brutalized by probably things that aren't rogues that can play things because I have a hard time uh, <laughs> thinking that like somebody playing sleight of hand into Lupara would be like so game break breaking that that they needed to like make it zero to three and also only one handed no. things. <laughs> Too good. Uh, well, a big culprit of that I think was Necronomicon, which oh. Mandy could do, and also what people were calling Slightning Gun, where Larry, uh, aka Leo Anderson, uh, would sleight of hand a lightning gun out and shoot things with it. And that's a neat idea, but why? Like, why is it... Why? <laughs> How is that game-breaking? And uh, so, like, things like that, where it's just it's other classes who are touching these cards that make everything worse for the, for the rogue class. It just... It feels bad because I want a sleight of hand my my sawed off shotgun and I can't because of Mandy and Leo Anderson. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, the Dane's idea is 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 not it's not it's not a bad idea, but I I would handle it differently. I would just unban all of these cards because who cares? Like ban ban the Necronomicon. The Necronomicon's crazy. Just ban it. Sleight of hand. Like I I want to be as clear about this as possible. Leo Anderson sleight of handing out a lightning gun is not even close to being overpowered this game who, who, who gives who gives a shit honestly like oh he's gonna kill a couple dudes with it that's not even drawing like 15 cards in a turn and getting like 12 clues and then teleporting across the map you know at, you know what that like, literally is that's that's melteroni but yeah it goes exactly away oh, like oh, oh he gets a, he gets a melteroni and he doesn't have to pay for it like that's not even close to do that all you want it will not break the game you know so like yeah i unban sleight of hand double or nothing not even barely even a good card unban double or nothing it's, like <laughs> Yeah, just just unban all of these cards. Well, keep these banned probably, but I don't even really care about that. I feel like Double so, or Nothing had several scenarios where it could be kind of absurd, but yes. yeah, I think like, it just led to unintended things happening. Yeah, uh, I feel like the they could. Behind it were definitely weird, and you kept having to look it up. Yeah, I feel like you could reword it a bit so that maybe it doesn't apply to every single effect that you attach to it. So it's like, oh, I shotgun double or nothing. Oh, I did fifteen damage instead of five or whatever it was. I, uh, you know, what it <laughs> really? do? Yeah. It, it, the wording on it makes it so vicious blow actually gets doubled twice. Like the effect of vicious blow, and also the whole vicious blow gets applied twice. What? So it's like, I mean, those those were like the plus types six of or questions something. That you had to yeah. like look up every time because there was no real intuitive yeah. way to resolve it. And that's yeah, and I think that's more ultimately the reason why it was forbidden, right? Because because if they were to like have an action on a scenario card, like on a location and it's maybe like, I'm, oh now i can add, now i can do this twice I, I fear that they might have like seen somebody do 10 damage with a shotgun once and been like oh we gotta ban this and it's like <laughs> do, again doing 10 damage with a shotgun not that that's fine whatever yeah, it's, it's not, not very it's impressive not you gotta you yeah. gotta do like 16 or 17 yeah, you, at least you have to, you have, to have a, you have to have a skill value of like 20 you also have to have double or nothing in shotgun in your deck which <laughs> yeah. yikes right? but i mean I like mean, 
the the instating something like colorbound is it even just to prevent other players out of classes from doing ludicrous things with with cards for classes that ne can't necessarily do as ludicrous things it's also like some of the current ways that they they taboo things kind of just feel bad for me uh for example like just chaining things because they're too strong the way the current iteration that they are feels not lazy but just it feels like you're time gating things and for people who haven't played mmos that just means that like they make you wait a certain amount amount of hours or days in order to do some sort of thing so like if you want to craft the super legendary axe of awesome you can only do that once every 24 days just because should we because should we go to the next topic which is about exactly this yeah Let's do it. It's the next topic. Uh, I didn't check the order of the slides. Is it that? Oh, it is. There we go. Yeah, sure mutated, <laughs> mutated versus chained, you know. So, yeah, as Dane was saying, kind of dislikes chains because it just kind of delays buying cards, which maybe maybe that's enough in some cases because it prevents you, prevents you from having to... It gets you to the point but, where maybe it's like an end game card versus like a mid game card or something. But the, 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 advantage is that is, the advantage of that is you still get to play with the good version of the card, right? Look at something like Drawing Thin where... Imagine if instead of making it cost three XP, they just made it like uh, um, cost like three resources or something. You would just never play it, probably, right? Like, like they could, they only have so many knobs they can turn for these things, and adjusting the XP at the very least means that you still get to play with the same fun, exciting card, right? Yeah, but that's that's ultimately my argument for for uh, like a new category like colorbound because it allows you to to attack it from a different dimension where that, even something like all in where that it, wouldn't even apply to like pathfinder or drawing thin though right i mean like those cards are powerful not because they're being used in some other class but just because yeah. they're really really good cards yeah but i mean there are some ways like like we were talking about re removing from game earlier they wanted to use very sparingly it just provides an alternative for things like that where if you have, you know, you catastrophes in your deck because they're fun to play, a and because maybe you can get a little exploit out of it with Yorick, uh, now suddenly they just remove themselves. Never going to touch that card ever again. You know, like yeah, and yeah. and doing something different than that, than either a chaining it or b having it remove itself from game is kind of feels very binary. And having another flexibility for tabooing things feels like a good dimension to have for me uh it, it makes things feel maybe a little bit more dynamic um in the way that mutated allows maybe i like i like the colorbound idea a bit i guess in my mind i i don't know if i really want that to be a crutch that they have when they're designing cards because i think when they design cards they want to take you know all the investigators that can take the card into consideration in order to balance it so if they're just going to be like, oh, if, you know, if there's some weird combo that comes up later, I guess we'll just make a color bound. I, I, I don't know. It feels like a weird crutch. And I think they specifically try to avoid doing that as much as possible. So it probably makes it even like a more interesting design challenge to not have to say, oh, this is actually restricted just to this class. But I can see where you're coming from where like if it's a combo card combo that's causing the problem versus just the card itself, it could be a way to relatively clearly wanna, cut off that combo so one way that other games have tried to solve that problem of sort of card interactions being problematic is to have like a restricted list where there's like a list of cards and you're only allowed to choose one of them to be in your deck at a time um or mm. um which I, th I think both magic and netrunner did that at some point so that yeah. way if there's two cards like sleight of hand and necronomicon you could just put them both on the restricted list and then 
no deck can include both of them, but a deck, you know, a green deck could include sleight of hand or a, you know, a, a secret yeah. deck, Necronomicon. Exactly. That has its own disadvantages too. Like it, it becomes the more cards, eventually it becomes untenable. But right. you know, I, I I think that can be a good solution. Um, yeah. As for the mutated versus chain thing, just one last thing to say. Um, one thing that they do bring up a lot is that they prefer to to chain things because. Um, it only matters when you're kind of deck building and upgrading, and then you don't have to remember that there's different rules for the card. So it's yeah, it, it that's kind of, definitely a pro, especially for newer players that aren't haven't memorized what every card does. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I, yeah, I, I kind of I my I kind of assume that maybe they have a kind of like informal rules for themselves, or they're like we're only going to allow ourselves to have this many mutated cards at a time, yeah. and this many eroded cards at a time, which honestly is a pretty good rule to try to follow. I think. Yeah. yeah, and I think for me, the pro of mutating things makes it feel like it's breathing new life into a card that was either other otherwise kind of unplayable, like example like Springfield or whatever, or uh, cranks something's power level down, but still makes it uh, reasonable to play. And and uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, uh, my my favorite example of this is honestly, if they mutated Pathfinder so it comes into play with three secrets on it and activating it costs a secret, it would still be a fantastic card and it would honestly be more fun to play because you just have to find ways to put more secrets on it yeah so yeah. It, I, or I, at I mean, least I, decide I when you're going to use it rather than use it every turn <laughs> yeah like I, I think that not every card has a kind of like really awesome way that it could be mutated like that but definitely a lot of cards do yeah i agree yeah i guess i'd prefer the taboo list i don't know if there's cards that are a week i i guess i don't want the tableaus to be used too often to actually buff those cards I, I think i was mj said that she tries to just add new cards to the card pool to buff those and i feel like that's a better use i feel like the tableaus should basically just focus mostly on nerfing the overpowered cards if possible uh, yeah. and just if there's a weak card it can either just stay weak and we don't use it and we're sad about it but uh we, there's like a lot of cards in this game now was many hundreds of cards i don't know yeah it's a that was uh, so that was actually that was actually one of the next things we were going to talk about right was yeah it? oh it sure was uh you guys rearranged these slides <laughs> and i didn't get to I, 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 I just did because you because you because you brought it up um <laughs> no I, I don't so know. Um, so yeah are there any are there any non-taboo cards uh individual cards out there that this question are there any non-taboo dominant individual <laughs> cards out there or does the current taboo list mostly hit all of them i would like listeners to know that ben wrote this himself i don't think i did i think i someone else wrote this and i copy pasted it there, there was like a when you guys write questions you write like a giant like five sentence uh prelude to the question and the actual question i just take the actual question out to put on the slide but yeah what this I don't is know like what this card is though what is what is this card on the slide and why would you include it in a purple deck? Can can somebody tell me that? Oh, arcane research. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so that? we're talking about card. We kind of talked about this already, which was like uh, um, cigarette case, but cards that just like always go in every deck, and it's like a no brainer. Uh, is that bad? This doesn't even go in your deck. This, yeah. this goes next to your deck. It goes next <laughs> it to your deck. Benefit. Yeah, it gives you a benefit. Why, it has a trade off. That's why I think Arcane Research is kind of fine, is like not an example of this, because it doesn't take up slots in your deck or on your character. Like, it's not competing with anything. Like, Cigarette Case, I mean, we already kind of talked about this. I, I don't think that's really a problem either. 
But like cigarette case, you can at least argue that no sane person would ever play Crystallizer of Dreams as long as cigarette case exists. Or right? any other or any other thing that I mean, you have access to. Like literally you just you just play well, Lucky Cigarette Case. Unless you've but got Relic Hunters or you're playing like Jenny or something, yeah, and you have all bad stats. But but like Arcane <laughs> Research is like I mean, you, you it's basically just a choice where you can play it or not. And there is some trade off, like especially if you're playing, you know, clairvoyance and other things that deal horror to you when you draw a certain token having two mental trauma is like a serious downside we, we usually take true. it but it's like it, it, it's a choice where you choose to either include this or not and usually you do choose to include it but at least it's not like there's other cards that you never pick because you're playing arcane research yeah yeah um but like in terms of dominant individual cards like yeah I, I think machete back in the early days of the game before it was tabooed was an example of this i think there's fewer examples now I would say maybe something like magnifying glass because I think it crowds out pretty much all other secret hand slot mm. items, but everyone else loves to play Hawkeye camera and stuff. So apparently I'm on an Island on that one. Well, it, it depends upon player count, right? Hawkeye, Hawkeye gives like an interesting uh, downside in that, like you, you basically don't want to play it over like, yeah, bad. that's the downside over, over one <laughs> or two things. Um, well, it's bad compared to magnifying glass. Everything is bad compared to magnifying glass, but that's also what I'm saying, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people put, um, stick to the plan in this in this ballpark and for me like i i sometimes take stick to the plan now, stick if to the i plan can is okay it's not but great. people but people really really love stick to the plan in guardians and i can see why it pulls three cards out of your deck right and if you're rolling one of those cards can be a research that can happen immediately or whatever but, like, but again because it's a permanent it's not really competing with anything right it's right. it's competing for xp but I, I, I also like I, I think it's cool to have these kind of like XP sync permanent cards kind of because it's ways that you can upgrade your deck without, uh, you know, it, it makes a, getting more XP in a campaign that offers a lot still valuable, even when you've upgraded like all of the cards that are in your your proper deck. Yeah, again, it just it's it's a card. It's an issue where it feels worse in deck building than it does in in trial. Something like Studious, for example. I hate the fact that I have to spend six experience to get Studious. But when I'm when I'm drawing like seven cards in an opening hand, Chef's Kiss, baby, I love that <laughs> feeling. You know, like I. But I also don't have any new cards in my deck. Like other, you know, it's it just it feels bad from a deck building standpoint, but from a playing standpoint, fantastic. Sure. There are a few things that feel better to me than <laughs> spending XP to put studiouses in my deck. It feels, <laughs> it feels great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just cards like that, though, that are incredibly dominant. Um, that you just put in every single deck that can that can take it are probably the cards that are on the look for the most by MJ and Jeremy. Um, I mean, they don't they don't break the game. They're just kind of boring because in terms of deck yeah. building, like it's not a decision. It's like, oh yeah, I just you gotta take that because it's so good. It's like Jackson yeah. Howard, right? I, I think it's okay to have a few of these for every class because it helps make that class have kind of an identity. Like, uh, the, you know, this this really kind of plays in. It feels like the way that you spend XP as a mystic is you're upgrading your spells a lot. That's a thing that you know, even back I think in the very early days of the game, they talked about how they wanted every aspect of the game to kind of have at least some sort of. A connection with your class identity like yeah the way the way that you deal with treacheries the way that you spend xp the way that you decide what cards is put in your deck and i think this is a part of that for mystic so i'm okay with a few of these i think if there were a ton of them yeah that would be bad but currently this seems basically okay to me yeah all right whoa Oof. all right uh so 
we had Edge of the Earth coming up. Um, what existing cards or decks do you, th you guys think could use a boost from new cards that come out Edge of the Earth or beyond? Like what, um, yeah, like what archetypes do we think want more support? Yeah, because as, as we were saying earlier, this is kind of um, what, what MJ said is the way that they would like to kind of boost existing cards and existing decks is to like print more cards for them more than just uh, spring fielding them or adding them to the taboo list in like a positive way. Yeah, like we were talking about a little earlier, uh, somebody like Rita, right, could really benefit from using more tricks uh, in different ways. Or like, obviously, people like Mateo, who have that very clear distinction that they can have those cards. Honestly, like occult, people who can occult, like include occult things in their in their deck building, they've got about five cards <laughs> right now, two of which are good, like Hallowed Mirror and uh, the, the Bloody Tome uh, thing. Um, and I'm sure yeah. that there are a couple others that I'm missing, but well, there's like some that. there's some weird traits that I think um, the designers have like a specific mindset, like what this applies to. Like I think MJ said that occult applies to stuff that like will become uh, like an arcane thing or magical thing. So that's why there's like so few of them because there's so few that actually follow an upgrade path. Sure, but yeah. but it's like yeah, like having more of it so that it's. Edition where like the magic item stack is it's very rare to actually get like a magical item mm. you usually get a mundane item yeah but it does feel weird like when there's investigators that have some trait that just is is like part of their deck building it's like oh, okay this is like they get in addition to the regular class but then there's none of it and <laughs> yeah you know you like, when Rhea came out i think there were like exactly three tricks that she could play yeah now there's exactly now there's exactly five <laughs> I, I yeah rita rita could yeah. use some support so I am excited to see if there's like a couple interesting tricks that come out that make Rita more interesting to play. Um, like I think a lot of the blessed cards that came out from Mateo, I don't know if they made him actually like compete in terms of power level with like other mystics, but I think it lets him do a lot more interesting stuff. Like previously he kind of had like, oh, he'll be the one that does ceiling stuff or whatever, but now he can do like weird stuff with blessed very easily because uh, he has access to other classes, blessed cards. So I think that yeah, can make him make a more interesting deck than he had before. While Rita right now doesn't have too much that makes her stand apart from another survivor that has a better deck, a better uh, deck pool. So I would, uh, I would definitely love to see some more cheap disposable assets that Dexter can play because I think that would really power <laughs> him up quite a bit. Um, I also I keep wanting to give uh, Win Winifred a try, but I feel like she's just a couple cards away from, especially because they they've tabooed all in and stuff. If they yeah. could print yeah. some more and and three aces, like if they could if they could print some more cards to make up for all the ones that have gotten tabooed that Winnie would normally play, I would be excited to give Winnie a try. Um, yeah. So those are I think those are high on the list for me. Winifred does okay. I'm playing her in a uh, Forgotten Age with the girlfriend and uh, her son and his girlfriend. You can follow those escapades on Instagram if you want. Uh, but she, she's doing okay. Um, are, you, are you mostly like evading stuff or getting clues? Or yeah, I mean, there's, I, I'm usually in charge of evading, and then I have like lock picks and a couple of guns that I sometimes get out. But like, I, I think the goal for her is that you're supposed to like try to commit two cards like to every test and like constantly get more cards back, and you like you have like a right. cigarette case to help support that. Which I'm not sure my deck is quite that level yet. So, because there wasn't that very many, there weren't very many interesting like skill cards for me to put in at level zero, and like her deck herself yeah. only comes with like three different ones, I think, 
and one of them kind of is kind of terrible. Uh, yeah, I, that... I think if they could print a couple like low level green skill cards that are good for Winnie, that would be really cool. Um, they have a few that are good, um, but yeah, definitely could use some more support. Another yeah. thing I would love to see, I'm not really, that kind of fits into this category. I really, I would love it if they would print some cards to make any of the other Guardians like closer to Mark level power <laughs> or, or quality. Like if they could just print some cards for like Tommy or, uh, oh. you know, so I mean, I mean, Zoe's pretty fun. I might give Zoe a try, but like whenever I'm playing a non-Mark Guardian, I just feel like I don't have enough cards and I don't have enough ways to draw cards. So I'd love to see some more Guardian card draw coming at some point. Yeah, does what does Guardians have? They have like stand they together. Have glory. They have Mark. Glory. Stick together. Yeah, no, I like um, again. Uh, seeker. The girlfriend's playing Nat uh, Nathaniel a lot, and she draws a lot of oh, cards. Yeah. He's got uh, the Nathaniel deck. That's his whole have thing. you tried Nathaniel yet, Dan? No, I mean I, I might give Nathaniel a try, but that Nathaniel's that, that's, absolutely ridiculous. But that's kind of yeah. like off on an island, right? That's like its own kind of separate thing that's sort of separate from most other guardians. Because you could also exactly. say like Carolyn can draw a bunch of cards too, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, too. yeah, I mean Nathaniel definitely can draw lots of cards because a lot of his events are like card draw, and he's the boxing gloves trigger constantly every time you kill something. Yeah. So I, you know, I give yeah. him a try if you're just if you want to draw some cards and also punch some things. It's also very funny to be fighting most. Um, eldritch creatures by punching them so <laughs> yeah and hit yeah. bands and various other things yeah so. i think what i'm generally excited about in out of new expansions is when they use a familiar approach uh for example something like how we had drawn of the flame and read the signs right it's it's they're very similar cards but they the, the cost for doing them is a little bit different and they give you a little bit slightly different benefit. I like cards like that a lot because they improve your deck's consistency while not uh, not completely like power creeping something, right? Because you you can't like, they both have very, these two cards that I'm talking about anyways have, have two very distinct drawbacks and, and uh, I like seeing those kinds of cards and those kinds of strategies pushed. Like Intel Report and that whole cycle of favors was really cool for me. I like seeing those kinds of things. Um, and I like seeing things that are based off of different prerequisites. For example, I would love to see cards that are printed, uh, that have to do, or, or maybe even just story cards. I don't know, that have to do with investigator subtypes. I feel like that's something that has never been a thing until like the dream eaters intro. And that's it. Like nothing cares about the fact that Mark is a veteran and Dexter is a veteran and Ash Pete is a wayfarer or whatever. Um, why do they include them if that they're not going to do stuff with them? That's... Flavor, Dane. Flavor. <laughs> those are the kind of things. That I feel like it's a future-proofing thing. That's like they have loose ideas on what they want to do with those, and they haven't quite decided how they want to implement it. You know, it. it yeah, I like the Dream Eaters thing that comes up. I maybe in the future they'll have a card that'll be like, oh, this is a card that you know Wayfarers can take or whatever. It's it's so that in the future they can print uh, DJ Fenris. Which lets you like have an investigator buddy as long as it's but 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 only if it's like a wayfarer, right? Only a wayfarer investigator or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, lastly, uh, I would like a bicycle card. I would like a player card that represents a bicycle, <laughs> and uh, I don't even really care what it does. I just think that would be neat. Why didn't I think about this? More footwear, please. Since since we got track <laughs> oh, yeah. shoes, it's a limit one per. Mm. And then like, 
Here, here's the here's the thing, Dane. If if track shoes is like the only footwear, then it's kind of fine that it doesn't really have an official slot icon. But <laughs> if they if they started printing a million of them and they all say like only one footwear, then at some point it starts to look silly. It's like, oh, they really should have made like footwear an actual bot, <laughs> an actual armor slot. So I feel like they have to keep it limited, right? Oh, but I want I want like trench boots to go with my trench coat, and eventually my trench knife. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get a set bonus because of that. There's reason. no is there no fedora card yet? There should be a fedora card. I don't know what it does. Uh, agree, agree with that. There should be like a lucky fedora, like a uh, for rogues, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. A green dynamite. <laughs> a green dynamite. Is it like you yeah. gamble to see? Like you have to run in there holding it, and uh, you <laughs> draw some dogs to see if it explodes your hand before you can throw it or whatever. <laughs> that That's great. inappropriate. <laughs> uh, so, any, anything else you guys had to say about? taboo list uh, either the current one or future random speculation 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 <laughs> i mean only to say that we're we're kind of in an interesting spot in the game right now where we we're we're probably a few weeks away from getting like major spoilers for most of the new player cards in edge of the earth and then hopefully that will shake up the meta quite a bit and introduce a whole lot of new stuff so uh this is just kind of like a snapshot of where things are at right now but we're, we hope and expect that things will kind of change up a lot pretty soon yeah i mean to piggyback yeah. on that some so of the cards in uh, edge of the earth are going to be multi-class cards right so we're going to see a lot mm. of accessibility maybe unintended accessibility uh because they're going to different different a ton of different investigators and deck building is going to be really weird and exciting and i love that i almost like deck building more than i like playing the actual game except i don't so yeah <laughs> yeah uh i'm 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 interested to see what like the giant card dump does like we saw a giant card dump previously when the uh starter decks came out um but some of the this is going to be like twice the size right because starter decks had like yeah i guess starter decks were like 20 percent old cards yeah it was about the same size it might be about the same i I was thinking like starter decks are like have some repeats but they're like 80 percent new cards right so yeah 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 so it'll be interesting uh so i'm excited who knows when it'll come out? Because I think every different website in every different country has a different set of dates. Maybe maybe it'll be September. Who knows, though? <laughs> All right. Well, friends, thanks for joining us here on uh, on Twitch today and uh, wherever you're you're viewing this stream from. Listeners from li- for listening. Who else plays with taboo lists? Does anybody else have their own taboo kitchen table list that you use for for your playgroup? Come hang out with us on Discord. Let us know about it. I'd love personally to hear about them because I like speculating about these kinds of things. Everyone, uh, everyone, messaged Dane and says that your kitchen table taboo list is only crystallizer. You've tabooed crystallizer. <laughs> and they don't know about my but my wither fetish. He'll, yet, he'll hate. So. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I blacked it out because I assumed it was a joke. But... <laughs> Reach out to us on Facebook, Reddit, or Instagram, or email us at comments at mur.fm. If you really love our show and want to get more involved, join us on patreon.com slash University Radio to get access to exclusive Discord channels and other fun stuff. Or just leave us a nice review on your favorite podcasting network. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be safe, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.